Hey everybody, I'm Dan Vespris, the host of Fantasy NBA Today, Hoopball's flagship full-season fantasy podcast. We cover every piece of news, every mock draft, every rank list, pickups, drops, buy lows, sell highs, and every sleeper candidate all year long, Monday through Friday. Come check us out. We're Fantasy NBA Today, and you can follow me on Twitter for updates at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. We'll talk to you soon. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Today in sports betting, I am Devin Ellington at D A L E 007 on Twitter. We are a hoop ball gaming presentation through the family of hoopball, hoop ball.com, hoopball Twitter, hoopball tweets. Got a great show lined up today. We just continue to rack up these guests, these special guests. It's going to be phenomenal. Not to pull the curtain back too far too early, but this guy's done some really great work with WGN, with Roto World. But like I said, I'm not going to do disservice to his accolades. Let me uh, talk about Manscaped first real quick because they are the sponsor of the show. Lawnmower 3.0 just came out, fully electric, fully waterproof, because where else are you going to do it other than the shower? Hoopball20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. That's going to get you free shipping as well as 20% off. Let them know that we sent you. Get your lawn mowed. Get taken care of, guys. Lawnmower 3.0, Manscaped. Hoopball20, do it. Now, without further ado, I am going to pull the curtain back here and introduce our guest today because, well, I'm too excited to keep it rolling any longer without doing so. So here we go. Sam, we got Sam Paniatovich hailing from the great Midwest. And he is a betting analyst, like I said, for Roto World. Sam, how are you doing, bud? Thank you so much again. I'm good, Devin. Hoopballer! Oh, boy. (laughs) But I I like that. You know, you kind of have to, like, assemble the crew, and there's no better way than to scream at the top of your lungs. So I like it. Thank you. Thank you. You know, off camera, I did give you a little bit of a warning, so I'm glad that it wasn't off-putting for you and that it got you a little juiced up, too. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, what was off-putting last night, and I know we're going to get into this more, I I was very off-put by the way the Lakers shot the basketball. Um, That's going to be a problem going forward. I'm I'm not a math guy, but I don't think 6 of 26 from downtown is all that good. Um, You know, I have the basic Oklahoma public education under my belt, so I'm not going to speak on my mathematic accolades. But yes, I'm going to have to say I agree with you on that one, Sam. Those aren't too uh, good of numbers. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, I think selfishly, I, I am very specifically interested in some of the WGN stuff. Uh, but, you know, you're with Roto World, NBC Sports Bet, 
You host a podcast, the first daily sports betting podcast in Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Chicken Dinner. Chicken Dinner is the name of the podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, he's at SP Shoot on Twitter. S-P-H-O-O-T. S-P Shoot. Give him a follow. Check his workout. Roto World, NBC Sports Bet. Go for it, Sam. I mean, just give us a run. What are you doing right now? What a, how is this? Yeah, it's been a crazy journey. So I'll make a long story short. You know, I, out of college, I interned for WGN Radio. I used to write, like, the sports cast for the afternoon anchor. And that eventually turned into – that internship turned into a job producing Cubs baseball and Blackhawks hockey. And if you're in Oklahoma, you probably get WGN Radio done there. You definitely got WGN TV for years before they went uh, – you know, went big time. Yeah. So started as an intern, worked as a producer doing the games and then became a reporter, became an anchor. And then I took a chance to go out to Las Vegas and I worked for VSIN, the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a Musburger production uh, that's on Sirius XM and they're doing a lot of great stuff. So I spent about 15, 16 months there and that was sports gambling, sports betting radio pretty much. So I had always done sports betting. I had always covered it, but I never in Illinois felt like I had a proper avenue to do it daily because it wasn't legal, you know, and everybody's like, oh, gambling is bad. You know, gambling will kill you. And and eventually, you know, it turned around to where it's legal. And I think now 18 or 19 states in Washington, D.C. And of course, it's legal in Illinois now. And everybody in Illinois that wouldn't put me on the air years ago to talk gambling was like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? You want to talk gambling? So it's all sort of come full circle, but yeah, I started traditionally, you know, talking about producing and covering uh, the major five teams in Chicago. We're talking Bulls, Bears, Blackhawks, Cubs, and Sox. So uh, always been a sports guy, but now my world is, is knowing all the teams and all the conferences and, and all the major sports, because, you know, being a betting analyst, you got to know everything. You got to know where the wind's blowing. You got to know what the weather is. You got to know who's hurt. You got to know everything or at least try to. So uh, it's gone from Chicago to more of a, a national, um, you know, responsibility. Sure. And, you know, just to, you know, touch upon, like you said, me being in Oklahoma, WGN, those are actually some of the first broadcasts I remember as a kid. And I think that is why I'm such a huge Cubs fan, because we didn't have pro teams down here, but we had the wonderful broadcasts of WGN. So I remember watching Frank Thomas for the Sox, and I remember watching early Cubs teams play, Lou Pinella managing for So I love the WGN aspect. So it's really cool to kind of sit down with someone who's had some sort of tie or responsibility within that network. So that's really neat. Um, Let's continue the Chicago talk. And then I know we kind of talked off camera about some NBA stuff. And first of all, breaking news, Billy Donovan hired to be the new Bulls head coach. Do you think he's going to be the new Hoidberg 2.0? I hope not. If that's the case, you know, I might, I might burn all my bull stuff. Uh, that's, I hear that's pretty popular to do now when your team doesn't play well. You just burn all the shit you bought. I, don't, I never will understand that. But, um, I mean, the Bulls are looking at last two coaches. I mean, those might be the, the two worst coaches they've had back-to-back ever, you know, to go from Fred Hoiberg, who came in with a uh, plan for pace and space and, and shooting a lot of threes. And then, you know, halfway through that regime, he was handcuffed because they brought in Rajon Rondo and Dwayne Wade. <laughs> like, all right, we're going to be a jump shooting team. We're going to be young and fast and exciting and athletic. And by the way, we're going to sign Rondo and Wade. So that sort of, you know, 
went to hell. And then they bring in, you know, Jim Boylan is the interim. And then he's friends with Michael Reinsdorf in the front office. So they kept him around and he was just not a good coach. I think the problem with both Hoiberg and Boylan, um, aside from the fact that I don't think they know what they're doing on the floor, uh, players never really got better. You know, they bring in a rookie and, and by year two or year three, he just, he wasn't any better. And, and that was the problem for a lot of players uh, in Chicago, like the Bobby Portises of the world and the Denzel Valentines and the Chris Dunns and, and even Larry Markinen under Jim Boylan, his growth has really been stunted. Now the hope here is that you look at what Billy Donovan did uh, at Florida and getting guys in when they're 17, 18. And by the time they're 20 or 21, the juniors or seniors or whatever, you know, they've gotten progressively better. I mean, look at how Joakim Noah grew, how Corey Brewer grew, how Al Horford got better. Um, those are great players, but if you're in the NBA, you're probably a great player. So it's just, it's interesting because I think Donovan did it at Florida. And I think a lot of the younger secondary players in Oklahoma city uh, got a lot better as well. So that's the plan. Obviously he knows what he's doing. He's a successful coach. He's won everywhere he's been. But the problem in Chicago is that the good young players haven't taken that next step. And that's, almost more important than it is to, to talk about what they do in the fourth quarter with two minutes to go. You know, the players are going to play. Players are going to win games for you. Coaching helps, but it's more important, I think, in practice and in the offseason than it is, you know, midseason. In such a competitive league in the NBA, it is so hard not to continuously make bounds and strides within your development and your core of players without, you know, continuing to lose. So that's a, that's a dang good point on your end there. I think it's a good fit. I like it. You know, Billy Donovan, he's just kind of like that hard, hard nosed basketball coach. He just, but he still has a bit of tenderness to him and he develops his players really, really well. Um, circling back to the betting analyst thing that you do, that you are. <laughs> yeah. Right. There are pro there, there's probably so many pieces of data that you are looking for. Like you mentioned just briefly, you know, the wind, the, the players who are out refs probably, you know, what, are some of the pieces that are glaring to you and what do you, you usually magnitude uh, gravitate towards or is magnetismed towards you as far as the data that you like looking for? Yeah. You'd actually be surprised to hear that I'm not like a big analytics or a big data guy. Like the first thing I do is, you know, I chart the line right when it comes out mm. like the NBA, I'll look at what a line opens at and then I'll, I'll follow the market. You know, I'm more of a feel guy. I like to watch the market, watch the screen, and watch all these different markets line up. Like, for example, you know, game, uh, game four for the Celtics in the heat. I mean, this line opened up Boston minus two and a half. And, and you look around the country and around the world and you see three, you see three and a half. I see a minus four. So already, you know, I'm being told that there's a respected push in the early going on the Boston Celtics. And then you look at a point total, open 210, and now it's up to 212. So I know that there's been respected money on the Celtics and the heat. Uh, over and I also know that people are on Boston now that doesn't mean that it's going to to win it's just like that's the initial push but a lot of times you know like in a football game like these lines come out for the NFL like after the Sunday games are over the lines for the next week come out and those lines you know a line can move from four to seven in a week uh, a total could move from 50 to 55 we've seen a lot of basketball games in the bubble, they've, they've moved from like 220 to, to 228. We saw a couple of Rockets games uh, climb even higher. And then there's, you know, the Laker Nugget games that have gone down. Uh, total went down, I think, three or four points last night. So I like to see sort of what the market does and try and find the number that I'm looking to buy on or, or pass. 
you know, I'm looking for a number. Like if I see a number at minus six and I'm like, well, I'd rather lay four and a half. If it gets down to four and a half, then I'll fire. I'm all about right team, right price at the right time. And to me, that's more important than any, you know, piece of data. The data helps and the trends are fine and all the analytics and, and all that stuff. It's all a part of the pie. Um, but I honestly think it's right team, right price, right time. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, you know, just to piggyback on that a little bit from you, here on the show, we, can, we preach like conviction and value because you've got to understand value, but you've also just got to feel, like you said, you're a feel guy, but you've got to feel convicted. You got to feel good and like, you know, what, the, what you're looking at, what your value is. So you can't have, you, no half measures, right, Sam? So yeah, um, and look at it like Jamal Murray last night. Like I felt pretty strongly about his point prop over. And that's the cool thing about betting in 2020 now. It doesn't just have to be, you know, the pregame side or the total of the money line, uh, not to mention all the in-game options. I mean, you can pretty much bet at any point of any game now. So if the team goes on a huge run, 20 to 2, you probably want to bet the other team because you get a, an advantageous price. But I was sort of bullish yesterday on Jamal Murray's point prop, and he had 24. Uh, that was the point total. So I was sweating that out because, you know, fourth quarter, he's stuck on 22 with, you know, three minutes left to go. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and then he does what he does. You know, he loads up the right. bow and arrow, and he hits two freaking bombs from downtown, goes from 22 to 28, goes over the point total. But, you know, if I didn't have that conviction, I would have been like, well, I don't know. Like, 24 is kind of a lot. Lakers defensively have been pretty good. It's like, no, if you like it, just bet it. Um, you never want to talk yourself out of a bet and you never want to flip on a bet. I know a lot of guys that'll wake up liking the Lakers and then like they read something and they see somebody talk about the Nuggets and then they pick the Nuggets, but the Nuggets don't win and the Lakers win and then they're just upset. So conviction is very important. And if you like it, you might as well fire. I couldn't have said it better myself. So to, you know, talk a little bit more about Chicago here. Um, North side or south side? You know, I've already spilt my allegiance. I'm sure there's a bit of, uh, you know, what is it? You know, you don't discriminate because you uh, you cover it all. But, you know, let's talk some MLB baseball. How do you feel about the Sox getting into the postseason? And how do you feel about them making a run? Well, I do discriminate because I am a Sox guy. So I'm oh, a- I knew it. Oh. I can't stand the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's why I have such an attitude. Um, I look at the, uh, I look at the downtown area one way. I mean, that's the joke. Like every time I'm North and I look at the skyline, I'm like, this is weird. This is backwards. You know, you're supposed to look at it from the other side. So yeah, I grew up a Sox fan, big time South side of Chicago. And, uh, you know, we haven't been great in a while, uh, win the world series in 05, went to the playoffs in 08 and waited 12 more years to get back. So they're in the postseason. Uh, they clinched a berth. Now the division is getting a lot tighter. I don't know if you know, they, uh, they have sort of given the lead pretty much all away. They only have a half-game lead right now. There was a three-game lead on Monday, and now it's down to a half-game. So, you know, poof, already. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a, a war in that division with the Sox and the Twins and the Indians. Um, you know, I respect the Cubs. I just don't like the Cubs. I never have. Um, I think in this city, more than any other city, well, maybe like New York with the Mets and the Jets, or the, uh, the Mets and the Yankees and the Giants and the Jets, you kind of have that option there. Maybe the Bay Area with the – uh, the athletics and the giants, but I feel like in Chicago more than any other city, like you have to pick a side. And, uh, when Kyle Long actually got here to play for the bears, he showed up at training camp with the Sox hat. And then that fall, the Cubs were going to the world series and he had a Cubs hat on. I'm like, dude, we don't do that here. (laughs) I know you're new here. I know you're not from here, but like we pick a side here. And he's like, no, man, it's just a hat. I'm like, no, that's what you're wrong. 
It's not just a hat. Um, you know, we don't play that. You know, we don't play both sides of the fence here. That's just how it is. Um, but I do think it's weird because I feel like the Sox fans hate the Cubs, but the Cub fans hate the Cardinals more. It's a weird sort of setup. But yeah, I mean, we don't like each other. That's clear. You know, if there's going to be one picture in the rivalry of the Cubs and White Sox, the one I always just think of is Pruszynski at the plate, just going and just just having a slugfest with uh, Michael Barrett. Michael Barrett, thank you. Yeah, uh, you know that was um, that's just like your favorite, one of the, your favorite Cubs Sox memory is a Sox player getting punched in the face. That's all right. Now that I say it out loud, that sounds like a Cubs thing. It's the Cubs fans, you know, thing to say. But I mean, you know, you're telling the truth, though. Like clearly, you're not lying about this. So I, I appreciate the honesty. Um, that uh, yeah, that was when Przinsky, like, he slid into home plate uh-huh. and slammed home plate with his hand, like, really, really hard. And then he got up, and Michael Barrett just decked him right in the jaw. Which uh, Michael Barrett didn't do too much for the team anyway. So it was, uh, <laughs> you know, it's so facto. Yeah. But, you know, to, you know, level out my Cubsum here, uh, I loved what the White Sox did in the offseason. I actually picked them to win the division. Um, as And I, I, you know, just getting a guy like Dallas Keuchel to help with that youthful rotation. Sure, he had a bad year last year, whatever you want to call it. And then these young bats, man, you guys got so many of them. Luis Robert, uh, you got Jose Abreu, and now you got a veteran bat also with Encarnacion. And then Nick Madrigal, holy cow, he can hit righties for sure. Um, I love that kid in college. So, yeah, you guys, I, I like what the White Sox are doing, coming from a Cubs fan. It's just, it's my kind of baseball, you know? Um, I also think, yeah, I think, you know, adding those vets that you brought up is a big deal because I got to the Cubs beat in 2013, and that was when they – I think they called up Rizzo at the end of 2012, maybe like July or August they called him up, Um, and they started to bring up all these young players. But, like, Rizzo comes up, and he's the best player on the team, and he's, like, the leader of the team, and that's a problem. But they started to sort of make all these moves where they would bring in, you know, established players – uh, they they flipped Scott Feldman and Steve Clevenger for Jake Arrieta in 2013. That's a savvy trade. It ended up working out. But then they started to sort of bring older players in, right? Going into 2015, they bring in John Lester and David Ross. Uh, Miguel Montero joins the fold. Jason uh, the Hayward. Year after that, yeah, well, yeah, the year after that, 2016, oh, it's Jason Hayward and Ben Zobris. Yeah. Like, they sprinkled in a couple guys every single offseason. Mm and then sort of added them into the mix with a lot of young players who came up and were ready to play. Uh, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Kyle Schwarber, Addison Russell. So it was the perfect blend of letting the young players come up, get acclimated, learn the craft, and then when they're ready to win, you bring in the vets. And I think that's a huge deal on the South side. It's very similar uh, because the Sox had all these young guys coming up, but they didn't really have a lot of veteran players. And, And to bring in a Dallas Keuchel to help anchor that rotation with Giolito and Dylan Cease, and eventually Michael Kopech will be back. Um, and Encarnacion, I know he's not hitting well. I mean, he, he hits home runs, but he really doesn't do much of anything else. Numbers aren't great. But I think the exuberance and the just the fun that he has around that group, because there are a lot of young Latin American players on this team, you know, from Cuba, Dominican Republic. You know, there's a lot of those guys. And to have Encarnacion sort of be like the older brother or the uncle the cool dude running around hitting home runs, holding the parrot up, you know, like right. I think that, that stuff definitely helped. He's not going to be here long. 
and this team is hopefully going to be good for three, four, five years. He might not even be back next year or the year sure. after that, but I think his impact on the young players, showing them how to come in, come to work, and prepare every single day to play for a baseball game, um, I mean, that's, that's immense. That, that's huge um, on the development and, and the right habits for young players. I totally agree. Yeah, just, yeah, those habits alone, just, you know, helping a young guy, hey, your swing's doing this. Your swing needs to just a little bit, like, you know, just stuff from his eye. And that, that they got hitting coaches for a reason. But for the fact of the matter, it's a player, probably someone that's a little more closer knit to him. And it's just a veteran maybe that they even look up to. Um, so speaking of the opposite of veteranship, we're going to talk about youth. Uh, you're very youthful. What would you tell well, younger than uh, some of the guys out there in the sports betting world, I would say. <laughs> yeah. uh, what would you tell other younger people or gentlemen, ladies, whoever, that's trying to become a pioneer, you know, within this new kind of sports betting scope, this new industry that's, you know, like you said, you spoke on it, Illinois is popping up, Indiana, Iowa, is Dubuque's becoming a gambling hotbed. So um, what would you say? to those who are youthful and trying to create a youthful pioneerism within this industry? You got to go out there and you got to put yourself on the line. I mean, you, you literally have to make a bet on yourself. You know, I, uh, I didn't know how this would all play out. And when I left Chicago in February of 18, I, I moved to Vegas because in Nevada, that's the Mecca and there's really nothing else. So at that point in time, I'm like, well, I guess I'm moving to Vegas. And, you know, when I first left, I thought, well, you know, I might be here a couple of years. I might be here two or three years. And then, you know, certain things went the way that they did. And, you know, a lot of things at work, you know, were a little complicated and, and things were sad and stuff like that. But at the same time, like in the background, like all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a minute, this is not legal across the country. And every state's going to have a chance to be a part of the pie. Eventually, I think we're going to get to 30 or 40 states. I'd, I'd say by, you know, 2025, we're in 40 states, I would think. Um, that's optimistic, but I also think it's realistic. But, you know, jumping into an industry that nobody really wanted to pay any attention to two years ago, it was like, oh, he's, he's going to Vegas. I don't think we'll see how that works out. And now, you know, two and a half years later, it's like, holy shit, he's everywhere, you know? And, and that's not, you know, that's not by design. That's not how I, I meant to have it. But, you know, a bet on yourself and taking a, a leap of faith, as they say, you know, to go out there and go to Vegas and and try to do something that you believe in. Cause I believe in the industry. That's why I went out there. I didn't go out there because I wanted to live in Vegas. I went out there because it was a job and I thought that it would open up a lot of doors and that was the right bet, right? It was the right move. And I bet it with conviction. So um, the advice to anybody who wants to do whatever it is, whether it's sports betting or play by play or broadcasting or be the best podcaster in the world, you know, like a, like a Pat McAfee. I mean, the guy wanted to do a podcast and damn it, he's doing a very good podcast. And now it's a show on, you know, Westwood one, and he's got a deal with FanDuel and, you know, he bet on himself. He believed in himself. And I think just having that, you know, self-confidence and self-respect and the, and the balls to be able to, to go for it. Um, that's more than half the battle. A lot of people in the industry, I've had many interns over the years, they come in and they show up late and they leave early and, you know, they make excuses. They call you 10 minutes before their shift. Like I got a tummy ache. All right. Well, you're probably not going to make it. <laughs> So it's the ones who show up early, who stay late, who are involved, who network properly, who make relationships, keep relationships. It's very important. You know, you got to be the total package. You got to be able to do a lot of different things. Um, I started as an intern cutting highlights and cutting tape and cutting audio bites and writing sportscasts. And once you prove that you're willing to do that work, 
you get more work and you know just being available and, and being around it's uh it's a huge deal so that'd be the advice i mean it's sort of a long-winded answer but i think there's a lot of stuff in there to unpack oh absolutely and when i listen back to this episode i'm gonna enjoy listening to that answer specifically because i'm in the midst of it you know this podcast we kind of talked off camera like you said just kind of stuff comes out of nowhere you know but you know in the great wise words of sam uh be a pat mcafee <laughs> yeah well and also this too like if you want to be a podcast host and you want to do a show and all that like it's funny to me because like guys will call me in college and they'll reach out and they'll be like hey like i want to talk about you know your career and your life and i'm like all right fine like we could talk about me but like let's talk about you what do you do mm. and they'll be like well you know like i you know i have a twitter i'm like that doesn't <laughs> like you have do you have a blog no do you do a podcast no okay, so like, how are you going to get better? Like, you're just going to all of a sudden wake up one morning and you're going to be a professional broadcaster. Like, if you don't go through the bad radio, like my early radio was so freaking bad. So bad. Like I'm doing high school radio, 18, 19. Um, I did it in high school and then the year after high school and then I did internet radio. Uh, that's how I met, you know, Dan Bespris. We were doing online sports betting shows, but like I wasn't even any good back then. But those bad shows, kind of like being a, a young baseball player and going through that first slump, you know, like if you don't go through the slumps in the minors, you're not going to be ready for the majors. So you got to get reps. You got to turn the mic on. You got to write blogs. I mean, even if nobody reads them, the repetition is the most important thing. Right. Repetition is huge with developing habits and, you know, just, you know, kind of grooming yourself into what you need to be doing as far as what you're putting yourself out there for, obviously. So... We talked a little off camera again about football and I want to get your general thoughts. Um, tell me about the bears. What are you thinking right now? What are you, are you optimistic? Do you think Trubisky is going to hold on for a few more weeks? How, what are you thinking? It's a very tough situation because I still don't think that he gives them the best chance to win, but I also don't know that he's, you know, worse than Nick Foles. Like, I, I have no problem with Trubisky being the guy. And he actually, you know, the analytics guys, you know, a lot of those guys said that he played really well week two, and that was one of the best games he's ever played. Now, I would argue it's against the Giants, who are awful, um, and just, you know, they're not a good football team. But it's hard to knock a quarterback who's 2-0. and He played extremely well in the fourth quarter against the Lions. He was the reason they won that game against Detroit. And he was decent against the Giants. They're 2-0. and They're in first place. So, I mean, it's his job until it's not. Um, I don't know how long or short the leash is. I think it's a fascinating conversation because for years, you know, the backup quarterback in Chicago is like the most popular guy in the world for some reason. Like, we just don't appreciate the quarterback. We always want the backup to come in. And it's no different now. People are still clamoring for Nick Foles. Um, you, they could be 0-2, but they're 2-0. and I mean, you can only beat who's in front of you. I think this game against the Falcons is really interesting um, because the Falcons, you know, they, they scored 39 points, didn't turn the ball over, and lost. That has never happened in the history of the NFL. Uh, teams were 440-0 and uh, to score 39 points, don't turn it over, and, and win games. They were 440-0. and Dan Quinn is not a good football coach. I mean, like, what, what more proof do you need than the Super Bowl and, and that game against the Cowboys and, and, you know, countless leads that they've had and they've lost? I mean, the guy just can't manage a football game. Um, yet the Falcons are a three-point favorite. Um, so people are going to, 
You know, they're going to keep betting against Mitch Trubisky. They don't believe in it. They think it's sort of smoke and mirrors, but I think the Bears' defense is, is pretty... Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Pretty good. They're getting older, but they get to the quarterback. And when they're healthy, you know, it's impossible to double-team Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn at the same time. And you also have Akeem Hicks up front, you know, getting into the backfield on almost every play. It's a good defense. Um, the shelf life isn't that long because these guys are going to get older and slower, but uh, the defense is built to win now. Yeah. The, the offense is, is the question mark, and if the quarterback can stay out of his own way, um, they can win 10 games in the NFL. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they won the division. Packers are really good, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that shakes out. I think the Bears are in a good position. Two wins, two games, first place. Um, I think they're in a really good spot, but I'm, I'm still not sure how good they are. Sure, sure. I think it's safe to say that when we refer or we, we talk to Atlanta fans now, we don't say 28 and three. We now give them the 440 and O treatment. It'll just. <laughs> it's so hard to lose a football game when you score 39 points and don't turn it over. That's really hard. It's so hard. It's only been done one time in the history of the NFL. Well, what were they doing on that onside kick? It's like they thought they were kicking it. They didn't even go for the ball. The, the... Oh, it's hurting my brain. on the turf, and it's they're just like sitting there uh, spinning. Like, I don't know. That was bad. And then you know, it it only it only got more interesting because I'm like, oh, I didn't even know Andy Dalton was a cowboy. Like, I I sort of remembered it and I stored it in the back of my mind. But Dak got hurt and he went to the tent, and the Cowboys were like, here comes Andy Dalton. And I'm like, that, that game had everything. I mean, it was it was so good, but it was so bad. The meltdown, great comeback, horrible letdown. I mean, that game had everything, and it also had. 79 points was it 40 to 39 final I mean that's that's insane fireworks for a football yeah. game um I jumped on the Atlanta four and a half so hey I'm st- <laughs> I'm, I, I'm still bet. happy I'm still bet. happy yeah. great <laughs> um so speaking of some maybe some good bets or you know you you mentioned how Sunday as soon as the Sunday night game concludes we have the next Sunday's lines give us one or two I'm not going to limit you that you think has some great value, something that you were eyeballing with those shark eyes and what you like going into this next week. Yeah, I love the situation you have here on Sunday night. And I don't (laughs) usually bet Sunday night football because I think there's really not much value. But I think the combination of Aaron Rodgers throwing a million touchdowns in two weeks and the Saints losing on national television Monday night at the Raiders, I think you have sort of like if I had an accordion right now, I could pull the Packers all the way to the left and I could pull the Saints probably all the way to the right because Packers, very good, can't stop Rodgers. 
and the Saints just lost to the Raiders. So I think perceptionally the Packers are a little bit higher on the pedestal right now. And that's affected the market. Now the look-ahead number, the number before week two was Saints minus six. Mm-hmm. That line right now is Saints minus three. People are all over the Packers. And people also love to bet the Packers when they're getting points because people for some reason think that Aaron Rodgers getting points is like an auto bet. Sure. That's fine. You can bet it. I think laying three points with the Saints is a good buy-low spot. Remember, the Packers are going to be without Devontae Adams in this game. That's Rodgers' number one target. Uh, Breeze struggled against the, the Raiders because he didn't have Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. And I think not having him for that game is going to prepare him for the next game. Because Thomas is going to miss a couple of weeks. He's got an ankle injury, and they're not going to risk it. Let's see how the Packers do against a pretty decent defense in their building – without his number one weapon. I think it's going to be a whole lot different because now Valdez Scanling has to be the number one receiver and they're going to rely more on the running game. I, I just think it's a bad spot. It doesn't mean the Packers are a bad team, but I feel like situationally and perceptionally, I like the Saints. I think they'll be more focused off a loss. This will be a very tough week of practice, a lot of film. I think it's a good buy low spot on the Saints minus three. The Packers are going to be the public side here. That's for sure. Uh, I'll go the other way. I think Saints minus three feels right. I could see Saints by a touchdown. No problem. I like that. You know, that they got to figure out if they want to get Emmanuel Sanders the ball. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, you know, I was just kind of watching that, and I, you know, Monday night, and I was just like, where is this guy? Like, what, what are they, you know, does he, does he want the ball? Or, um, you know, one game that I kind of was eyeballing bright and early – for some reason, I just can't shake it. And it's probably because the Eagles just lost another lineman. But I like Cincinnati plus five and a half. I, you know, they've got an aggressive front seven. They're young. think they're going to get after Wentz, maybe get them a strip sack. I already picked the defense up to stream them my, in my fantasy team this week. You picked the Bengals defense up just for this week? Absolutely. That's awesome. See, that is like advanced scouting right there. I love that move. <laughs> I also will not fight you on this pick. I, I, don't, I don't love the Bengals per se, but I certainly don't like the Eagles. And I was in that boat with you. I bet the Eagles week two yep. uh, because the look-ahead number was Eagles minus four, and they lose one game, and the line went down the Eagles pick or Rams minus one. Now, eventually the Eagles close as the favorite. But I'll tell you what, man, Carson Wentz did not look good um, in week one or week two. And I actually saw some next-gen stat that Wentz actually had the most misfires of any quarterback in the league week two. That's bad. That's real bad. Um, and the line was a little bit better in week two. Like, they were really bad week one. I think they had, like, seven sacks allowed. He didn't get sacked one time, I don't think, in week two. So, he had time. Now, granted, he was rushed um, still in the game. But, I mean, he, he had a lot of throws that he should have made. Um, so, I, I'm with you. I, I refuse to bet any more of my money on the Eagles. I just yeah. I'm not going to do it. I wouldn't tell you to do it either. Also, Burrow, man, he, he looks like a dude right now. Um, Fourth quarter, he's made incredible plays and really good throws in both games. And even though the Bengals were 0-2, they're 2-0 against the number. Like, they've covered both games. And they got a backdoor cover on Thursday night. Like, he is good under pressure. He is good with the game on the line. He should have won that game in week one with that laser to A.J. Green. Um, That was a beautiful throw. I mean, I'm like, that's a rookie quarterback? I mean, he threw a dart right to the end zone, right to the corner, and Green just couldn't get his feet in. That was, a, that was an A-plus throw. And he was awesome in that fourth-quarter drive late against uh, the Cleveland Browns to get the cover there. So um, that Cleveland – or that Cincinnati team, rather, they're going to cover a lot of games this year. And if I could get six, 
I see a couple places have like six and a half right now. I certainly would not fight you on that bet. There's a seven right now at a big global book. I think if you wait this out, you might get more sevens. That's a pretty good bet right now. Bengals plus six. I, I think I'm talking myself into that as we speak. You're talking yourself into it, or am I helping? You come up. You're definitely <laughs> helping. Like you probably the water, but you didn't like have to push me in. I just there jumped. you go. Um, let's kind of switch gears here, Sam. Uh, we got a basketball game tonight, and um, that's going to be Celtics Heat. Uh, right now, it's three and a half. We talked about them. You know, the movement in the market. It opened two and a half for Boston. Um, I'm going to go off on a limb and say it's probably the Hayward effect. I think Hayward played not terrible the last game. He looked healthy. I think people are probably thinking he's going to get a little bit more volume and production. He's going to help that team be a little less stagnant on offense. What are your general thoughts on this? Are you looking at a side, the total? Do you have a player prop in mind? Yeah, I looked at Jimmy Butler's point prop. Uh, it was 19, and I think that's a little bit low. Now, Butler has not been – you know, the go-to, you know, volume score that he once was. I mean, in Chicago in this game, Jimmy Butler's going to have to score 30. But I think he's actually gotten a lot more well-rounded. And he has been such a better facilitator this year. I mean, he's the reason they are where they are because he's been unselfish. And it's sometimes not even the first pass, it's the second pass. Like Butler makes a pass and then they swing it and there's an open guy for a three and they knock it in. Like they have a very good team of shooters. Like they shoot the basketball very well. And oftentimes it's Butler drawing the defense and then kicking it out. So he's not the volume shooter. He doesn't put up 20 shots a game anymore because he doesn't have to. Yeah. Um, so I, I still think he's going to get to the free throw line a bunch in this game. I think 19 is a pretty low number. Um, unfortunately, he hasn't scored a lot, but that gives you value, I think, on maybe going over. But, I, you know, I don't even look at this game for, like, I'm going to take this, like, super next level on you. And okay. it might get confusing, but – you know, you can, you can ask any questions you have. Like, I think right now, like, the Lakers are a flawed basketball team. And, yes, they're probably going to win the title, and that's what the numbers say. But, I mean, I watched that team last night, and, like, that's how they're going to lose the finals if they play like that. LeBron was great. Davis was great. Everybody else sucked. And you need, you know, help in the finals. Like, you're not going to win the finals with just two players scoring. They were 6 of 26 from three yesterday. And the way that Boston and Miami can defend – and get out on shooters, like, that to me is a bad matchup. Not to mention Brad Stevens and Eric Spolstra, I think, can coach circles around Frank Vogel. So I thought about this yesterday, and I wrote this up on Roto World and NBC. I go, why wouldn't I right now bet, like, 100 bucks on both the Celtics and the Heat to win the title? Well, that's a dumb bet because they're both not going to win. Yes, I know. But if I get 100 to win six and 100 to win six – I've got, you know, $600 lottery tickets in my pocket. And one of them I'm going to have to light on fire no matter what. But if the Lakers play the Celtics in the final, the series price is probably Lakers minus like 300. So that would make the Celtics, what, plus 250. 250 against 600. Which one do you want, right? Like, okay, I'll put six in my pocket right now. If the Lakers play the Heat, it's going to be higher. It might be minus 400, minus 450. But still – in that potential series, Lakers minus 400, minus 450, the Heat are going to be plus 350 or plus 375. Again, my six is going to be higher than the price on the Heat in the final. So it's, it's more strategic than anything else. And like I said, one bet's going to lose no matter what. They both might lose. But I feel like the number on the Lakers gives me value right now. If I strike right now, 
I can get six to one on both teams in the East. And that price is not going to be available in the NBA finals. I really like that. You know, I liked it when we talked a little bit off camera about it. Um, if you look at, you know, it's kind of like the game of risk, you know, you're making a move knowing that you're probably going to lose a soldier or two, right? You know, your, your total troop count in the game of risk is going to come down, but in the long scheme of things, it bridges the gap to potential winnings. Um, are you looking at, I don't know if you've seen any numbers out there that you like to maybe help hedge with those two, six, one bets, maybe like, um, you know, Lakers, winning now but the eastern conference teams getting there so like to maybe hedge a little bit of that are you looking at that or is uh yeah i mean you always want to look at your your options but i you know i was looking at the screen last night before the game and the lakers were like minus 305 minus 325 to win the championship and they lose to the nuggets in game three and guess what this morning the lakers are now minus 200 to win the finals and, and minus 250 to win the finals. So after just one loss, the number has already come down. And guess what? Now the Celtics are five to one and the Heat are plus 550. So they didn't even play a game and the number has already gotten, you know, worse for you. Like if you would have bet yesterday, six to one, six to one, you can't do that anymore. So these things are so fluid. And I will say this, like, I think the way to potentially, I wouldn't hedge it right away. Cause I, I just made, you know, the two picks, you know, Celtics and Heat six to one. The one thing about LeBron, and I covered a lot of Bulls playoff teams, and this happened to LeBron a lot, not only against Chicago, but against the Pacers. When he was in Miami, it happened. Like, they were almost somewhat good at losing game one. Mm. And I think early in a series, like, LeBron's kind of like, yeah, all right, like, let's see what you got. And there have been several times in that guy's career where they have lost game one. If that's the case, like, I'm going to roll that six to one out. I'm going to lose one no matter what. I'm going to lose a soldier, but I'm going to have another six to one soldier in my pocket. If the Lakers were to lose game one, and it's very possible, mm -hmm. the Lakers all of a sudden are down to minus 180 to win the championship. Mm. At that point, I've got $600 to play with. Now I can bet, you know, 150 or I can bet 200 if I want to on the Lakers to win it all. Maybe I don't want to, though. Like, you want to put yourself in a good situation. I feel like betting both teams at 6-1, to one, going into the final with a free roll on one of them, I feel like that's, that's a good return on my investment. They might lose, but I'm not going to get 6-1, to one, and that's the logic. Right, right. And it's very fair logic. And Hootballers, you know, just to talk about our other sponsor before we get to the last, last part of this show, uh, mybookie.ag. You take all this knowledge that Sam's dropping with these, with the ROIs for the Eastern Conference teams, the, you know, the breakdowns of the finals, take some of my baseball picks, use HoopBall as the promo code, you're going to get a 100% uh, percent match on your initial deposit, then you get $10 free money to play with in MLB bets. So do that at mybookie.ag. I would definitely recommend doing what Sam's talking here. It's got so much logic and value in it. It's, you know, it just makes a lot of sense. And it could make you a lot of sense. So um, hoopball is the promo code, mybookie.ag. Bet, win, get paid. Sam, I want to talk to you so, so, so briefly here about just some college football. Because I love mid-majors. And I don't know if you have a little bit of the same love for mid-majors, but um, I gave out Liberty as a plus 450 Moneyline winner last week on the show. What? Yes, I did. Uh, <laughs> what do you, wait, hold on. Who do you like this week? 
so Liberty, um, I- I'm probably going to go back to the well. They're getting a terrible Florida international team. And people forget that Hugh Freeze is the coach at Liberty. Uh, so, but to not, you know, make it anticlimactic, um, the college football slate this week, I don't think you're going to see a lot of those dogs, 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 because there's a ton of, um, you know, conferences are now getting into their play. But one thing I really like, the University of Texas El Paso, the Miners, getting nine and a half uh, against uh, the the Red Hawks of uh, Louisiana Monroe. Um, anemic offenses. I don't think there's going to be a ton of points scored. And then, you know, UTEP's got a pretty strong ground game. ULM does not. They don't have a good defense. They don't have a good front seven or secondary. I look at UTEP possibly maybe even winning this game outright, but I love the nine and a half from them. Just an early college football take from me since you asked for it. (laughs) You're going dirty. Like, you're not talking Georgia, Arkansas, or Kentucky, Auburn. You're going to Mm -hmm. UTEP and Liberty. Now, I will say this, a lot of wise guys, they play stuff like this all the time because they feel like they have value in the games that nobody really pays attention to. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously clearly what you did last week, uh, picking Liberty. I Look, I talked to a, a very sharp handicapper who said that he has never downgraded a football team more from one year to the next than he has with LSU. And I think mm-hmm. that's a fascinating you know, nuggets when you, when you think about what the team was last year to where they are now. I mean, they've lost so many weapons. And then their number one overall receiver decided, oh, yeah, I'm not going to play. I'm just going to go to the draft. So they have a lot to replace early in the season. And I think that that's going to slow LSU down out of the gate. Um, they're not going to be anywhere near as good as they were last year. They replace starting quarterback, running back, you know, top two receivers. Their whole line. Linemen. I mean, defensive players, they lost their starting safety. Grant Delpit, they lost a couple corners. They lost a couple linebackers. Like, they lost so much. And I understand they're going to plug in other blue chip guys, and eventually they're going to be fine. But this week one number, like the, the opening number there was LSU minus 21 mm-hmm. uh, against Mississippi State. And that number is already down to 16 and a half. Yep. So – Look, did you did you get the best number? Probably not. But, I mean, anything over two touchdowns, I think, is, is a fair pop on Mississippi State because I feel like they've got something to prove this year, and people are going to just no matter what bet LSU because it's like LSU. You know, LSU won the title last year. Oh, yeah, LSU is pretty good. Um, it's going to be a lot different this year, especially out of the gate. Uh, teams haven't really been practicing all that much. They haven't tackled anybody live in the SEC. I would not be surprised if LSU won this game by 7 or 10 or 14 points. And, you know, they just – they squeak out a win. They move on to the next week. But I think Mississippi State um, might be worth a wager. Anything over 14 points, I'm interested for sure. I am interested now too. You know, I was going to stay away from the opening SEC stuff just so I could get some data. But that is a great point. And, again, you just led me to the water there, boss. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, that, that that's just phenomenal points taken right there and made because – They lost so much. And this is, you know, they're a familiar folk. Mississippi State's returning some guys. You know, they're getting some guys and starters back on defense. And, um, you know, they got some linemen that are coming back. They got some upperclassmen sprinkled throughout that team. That's a big number. That's a huge number. The problem um, with a game like that is you might you, you might look up at halftime and it might be twenty eight nothing LSU and you'll be like, well, yeah. I hate Sam now. But you know that's the risk you take when you bet on a football game. I mean that's the problem when you go against a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. Um, although I don't think I don't think LSU is going to be a juggernaut this year. 
sometimes though you you fight that battle and and sometimes you win you know if mississippi state like if they upset lsu like i'm going to text you every day for the rest of your life yeah um if they lose by you know 40 i'll probably never be heard from again so i mean like those are the those are the avenues we play with now right and it's you know and that's a part of it is we're out here putting it you know out there we're talking about it we're tweeting it you're we're writing it up it's you're not gonna hit all of them guys no you're not but here's the problem though and you could have hit this last week like the problem is and I, i i talk about this all the time like if i tell you like hey you know i like clemson this week or i like oklahoma or i like texas or i like you know whatever like you know north carolina like you're okay with that but if you tell somebody to bet on Liberty and they lose, people get so upset. They're like, what? Like, they can handle a loss on Alabama or Clemson or Georgia, but they can't, like, they can't fathom a loss on Liberty, even though they count the same. Yeah. yeah. People yeah. are so extra upset when you give them a Liberty or, uh, you know, Texas San Antonio and they lose. Like, that is the worst. Like, you can't recover from that sometimes. And people get so angry. Like, it's like the losses are the same. It doesn't matter. But don't tell that to somebody who bets on Liberty and loses. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, man, it's just, the, it's great having football back. Just seeing, you know, a card, scrolling through it with numerous college football games and professional games. And the fact that we have playoff baseball and playoff basketball going on at the same time as this other great sport of football and uh, golf tournaments and it's just, you know, it's hard to believe that just four months ago, none of this was really even possible. And we were all just kind of, well, what, what the hell, you know, what, what are we going to do with our lives? Um, four months ago, I was out of work. So I, I agree <laughs> with you. I mean, we yeah. didn't have any sports and, uh, you know, I finally got back in the saddle. I mean, everything sort of avalanched pretty quickly once, once we realized that, okay, maybe this virus isn't going to affect, you know, athletes in the peak physical shape and you know like all the advanced testing and all that stuff like once we got through that first couple weeks of the NBA and the uh, NHL bubble and then baseball you know baseball early didn't look good uh the Cardinals were like infecting everybody but we finally got through that and it's like oh okay like maybe this isn't as bad as everybody makes it out to be I mean it's I feel for those that have lost loved ones and all that but I mean the math is so low I mean it's you know it's 0.01% or something like that so we got through that we got back into sports and and now that sports are here it looks like sports are here to stay so I'm very happy uh, that everything is coming back it looks like the Big Ten is going to try and come back now maybe the Mountain West maybe the MAC Um, even the Pac-12 is having conversations now so uh, it looks like we're full steam ahead and it's just happy uh, I agree I'm happy to turn on the television and, and watch football like I think that's I think we need that right now yeah, you know, for a lot of the populace that was in isolation, isolation can be a pretty bad thing for certain people. But the fact of the matter is, we got through it. We're here now. Sports are back. And, you know, Sam, one last thing <clears throat> before I let you go. I know, we, busy man, we got we to gotta get on with our days. But so you mentioned the Big Ten. Are, are you a Northwestern guy? Are you happy the Big Ten? Oh, my Ten's- God. Who gave you? No. Who gave you that question? No. That, hey, it, it popped up in my head. Uh, Chicago. No, no, no. no. <laughs> okay, so you're a Chicago State guy then. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, Cougar. I'm a Chicago State Cougar. I actually worked for the UIC Flames for 10 years. Oh. Uh, didn't have a lot of good teams there when I was there. I think I won. I think I, I used to call all their games. I think we won 
my first game, I think, was like four years into my stint. So, I mean, there were some, there were some lean years. But, uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not acting like I, I root for uh, a powerhouse when I tell you that I'm an Illini guy. Ah. But, you know, I, I, Illinois and Northwestern, we don't get along. Northwestern is sort of like Napoleon where, like, whenever they're good, like, they tell everybody how good they are, and then they get to a bowl game and they lose by a million. Um, like, there's nothing worse than a cocky Northwestern fan. Like, I, I will not – I will not tolerate that because uh, I think it was two years ago that they won the division. They won the big 10 West. And then they, I was like, sweet, you're going to lose by 30 against Ohio state. And they're like, oh, you're just a hater. I'm like, no, you guys think you're good. Like you go through a pretty weak division. All the teams in the West were down. Uh, I like it just, they think they're so good. And then they actually play an important game against a good team and they get embarrassed all the time. And to me, like, that's hilarious. I know that that's might not be, you know, like the coolest thing to say, but like, don't tell me how good you are, and then you just vanish on the big stage. Like, right. when you play anybody with a pulse, you lose. So, um, I don't know. I've had my wars with Northwestern fans over the years. Illinois sucks, too, in football. Like, we're not any good. I'm not going to sit here and act like we are. But, no, like, I can't, I can't pull for the purple, man. I just can't do it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, if I offended you, I am a very no, sorry. I, so. <laughs> I, I really don't like Northwestern fans. Sure. So I think um, that's clear. You guys are building – some great great stuff there uh, in Champaign for the basketball team getting those oh, guys yeah. back getting those guys back Deo Asomo uh Co Kofi Cutburn also correct um yeah, I mean, yeah Kofi and Io yeah those guys I I'm glad they I'm selfish I'm glad they didn't I'm glad they didn't go to the league but I also don't think they were ready for the league sure um Io needs to put on you know 10 15 pounds of muscle which is not easy to do and and Kofi is still so raw uh, he's he's a seven foot, two hundred and seventy pound center that I feel like still doesn't know what he's doing, and his footwork is not great. Like that guy would have been abused in the NBA. Um, you know, imagine him going out. To, you know, it's one thing in college to to post around the rim and protect the rim, but like in the NBA, like we don't really have many back to the basket centers anymore. So he's going to have to get out there and chase guys at the three point line. And his conditioning and his footwork is not where it needs to be to play in the NBA. So I think those guys are going to learn a lot. They're going to benefit a lot from coming back. Um, and then they'll probably leave after this year, but those guys have been clear. Like they all said they want to win a national championship. I don't know that that can happen. I don't know that they're that good, but I mean, they certainly have, you know, talent at the top and that's a big deal. Yeah. And you know, like you said, at the top, getting your top two guys back. I mean, that's probably just a really great starting point for that Illinois, uh, Illinois team going into this season. Sam, you know, it's been fun. I wish we could just kind of keep chatting it up about, you know, this, that, and the third. Uh, but but I, I'm going to let you go ahead and get on with your day. Uh, I'm going to remind the folks that are listening, you know, where to find you on Twitter, and it's at SPShoot. Is there any other online presences? You know, you got the podcast, but any other, you know, blurbs you just want to put out there for the hoop ballers to go find you? Yeah, I'll make it quick. Yeah, if you want to listen more, uh, Chicken Dinner is the podcast. You could pop that in to wherever you listen to your podcast. Very simple, Chicken Dinner. <laughs> and uh, the website uh, where you can read and watch more is rotoworld.com slash bet. Uh, pretty simple. So I'm covering all things betting and a lot of the things on the podcast bleed into the website, which bleeds back into the podcast. It's all one thing. We're all talking about betting and and the stories inside the lines. So I appreciate you having me on and uh, look forward to doing it again soon. 
I, you know, I was going to say the same thing, but I'm glad you took those words right out of my mouth. So Sam, hey, again, much appreciative. Uh, it was surreal. I, I just, you know, the guests that we're having on is just, and then it just keeps going and just having you on was great. And oh man, I, I'm happy. I'm happy. This is a fun episode. Thanks again, boss. And uh, let's do it again soon. You got it. Thank you, man. This has been a hoop ball presentation. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.